Welcome to Level 7, Episode 129, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 3, Episode 10, Mayeth. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Ah, agents, welcome to the winter finale. But at a time like this, Agent Daniel can't be alone. He also has to have with him. Hey, Daniel, it's me. It's me, Ben. Got a question for you, Daniel. Yeah, buddy, I'm going to talk in this kind of relaxed, calm voice. All right, well, give me, that's, give me that's what I am, right? Because here's what I want to know. This ancient city with all the Hebrew stuff going on, is this like tied into our ancient history? Like, does it go that far back? Were they humanoid? Were... I, there's just so many questions, Daniel. I have so many questions. I, I, I don't even know where to start. And I feel as if I don't have any of those answers. And I'm going to remain calm and not tense. I think you probably need to stop talking like that because people are going to turn off the podcast. That, what, what? What? Come they're on. Gonna, if I was to talk like I'm really am, I'm a little... They're going to change the channel, and there aren't even channels here. I mean, it's just a podcast. They're listening to us on iTunes or whatever, and they're going to change the channel. I podcasts about Gotham and, and Star Wars Rebels. Well, that's They need to change the channel. No, but, no, no. Yeah, I mean, Daniel, the point isn't, hey, talk like that and then recommend other podcasts to listen to. It's, come on, man. And I've been doing this for three years now. I think I know what I'm doing. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know what I'm doing right now. Are you ready? Is it an intelligence report? It is. Shield intelligence report. All right. So what news do we have here, Daniel, to get out of the way? <laughs> you, you seem to have made me the, the collector of news this week, Ben. So just let me start with Thor Ragnarok gets a new screenwriter. Tell me about this new screenwriter, Daniel. No, I didn't know who the old screenwriter is. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's being written, though. Yeah, by... Uh, by our uh, good friend and, and sure to be a fan favorite here at Welcome to Level se- 7 in the future, Stephanie Folsom. Do we know her from anything? Nope. Okay. Uh, how about someone else we don't know? Well, do we not know? So it, it, this is the part of the show where Daniel gloats. Hey, all you people that said we weren't going to get Iron Fist. Well, they've made a hire over at Marvel. Take that. Ha! gloating because we now have an executive producer in Scott Buck. He's our showrunner. Yeah, he's our showrunner and executive producer, Ben. Do we know anything about him? Uh, yeah. He uh, did a little thing called Dexter. Perhaps you've heard of it. Did he work on it or was he like a uh, muckety muck? He, he watched it a few he, times, uh, Ben. A higher he watched up. It. Are, are you happy about that? I, I just don't know who this guy is. Did he create Dexter? Did he come in? He was in the showrunner for Dexter for the and... last four seasons. Okay, all right. So... And executive producer. So they brought him in, and you may argue that season season one and two was much be- much better. You could argue that. I could argue that if I had ever seen anything beyond season one. Oh, we should talk sometime. Yeah, 
I watched well, a season few one's episodes so of good. season one. So good. About human connection. Yeah. Really is. Hey, you know what else is about human connection? Rome, which he also has written for. I didn't really see that. And Six Feet Under. Didn't see that. Which just tells me that he's probably going to have an adult edgy tone. Oh, and, well, there's and, a switch up. And and martial arts, perhaps. That that would be a good a good thing to have in a show about a Marvel character that does martial arts. So is that our news? Are we done? We're done. Let's get out of here. Mission report. <sighs> oh, man. I am. I am not tense. Nope. There was a lot going on here. A lot no. going on here in this episode of Stargate. And uh, really, you wanted to call it Stargate? I definitely. Ooh, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, there was a definite Stargate vibe. Come was there on. a Stargate where they had like a ship? Mm hmm. Okay, because I never saw that. But maybe if it, there was a Stargate with a ship, maybe that I'd be willing to say. Because I'm going to just say this right now. May, she's flying the Starship Enterprise, buddy. Well, yeah, I mean, they had ships in Stargate, but they also had gates in Stargate, and they would go to these other worlds in Stargate, and they were, like, dressed up in their military uniforms in Stargate. Uh, and there were there were slugs am... that controlled people in Stargate. I'm, I'm somewhat familiar, a glancing familiar, with the MacGyver Stargate era. Well... All that stuff I just mentioned is actually from that era as well. I, I'm aware. Then why are you acting like you don't know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is this because is Stargate you, 101. Because you talked about it, it all kind of came back to me. Yeah, well, I felt like I was getting a flashback to Stargate, which isn't a bad thing at all. But it was just kind of fun to have my, my new friends acting like they're on my, my show with my old friends. Your new friends been? I mean, it's been three years. Come on. Newer friends. Mm. I mean, my old friends, they aren't doing anything anymore. I don't see them don't anymore. Don't get judgy. I'm not judgy. You're judgy. Are you trying to kill Mac in this episode? Because he's <sighs> totally going to open the door for you. Man, I was afraid of that. I was getting really nervous about almost everyone. Well, uh, I had posted you a, a message earlier where I saw on TV Guide, they said someone would die. Yeah, yeah. And it happened just the way they said it would happen, which was that, that someone was going to do it to someone <laughs> else. And and it was a character turn that was not familiar. Mm-hmm. And it would change everything. So they, they actually were right, Ben. Well, I mean, they were given the scoop on purpose but to absolutely. You know, tease us what happened. But yeah, so we did bat back and forth ideas of who could have killed who. I guess I do have a little bit of a hero's hangover here. <laughs> Sorry, my friend. Well, no, no, just because in heroes, we once killed somebody without killing them. So, yeah, I actually think heroes did that like twice. Never really worked well. Yeah. Just saying. Well, but that show, I mean, it's a it's still a good show, right? Oh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I just wish they'd. It had the guts to kill people off permanently. You mean like uh, having someone die with a spear through the heart and then launch a TV show with that guy? Absolutely. Uh, that kind of permanent loss? Yes. Yeah. Ben, perhaps you should tell us about this episode so that we could actually talk about it since uh, we seem to be stalling. Well, 
I don't know if there's really a way to separate the conversation from the plot. I mean, we basically have a team of people on a planet and a team of people on Earth. And the team of people on Earth are trying to get to the gate, the Stargate, to allow the team of people on the planet to get out safely. And the team of people on the planet aren't really teamed up yet, but it's Fitz and Coulson. Those are our guys on the planet. Fitz is there with Ward. Ward is there with a team of military men from Hydra. And they are there to bring back this evil uh, beast of the apocalypse. And so on the planet, let's just go with on the planet right now, Daniel. Is that, that a good place to start? On the planet. Yeah. As sung by the king, Elvis Presley. <laughs> so they're on the planet here. and There's a civilization with nine cities on the planet. <laughs> uh, Fitz finds the, the uh, place where Will, Simmons' Will, has been living for years. And he convinces Ward not to kill Will. Um, Ward is very threatening and very angry and mean and not very nice to Fitz. Uh, but Fitz is also holding his own verbally anyway against Ward. Uh, they get Will. Will's going to lead them to the where the portal will open for them. And so they begin their trek. They begin their journey. And Will is going to take them into the no man's land or the no fly zone. So the beast will be there. And the beast will maybe... I think they're hoping that they can escape while the beast takes care of, of Ward and everyone else, and then they can go to the portal and escape. But what ends up happening is uh, Fitz and Will escape the bad guys. They run away. Meanwhile, Coulson tracks them down, and he ends up finding Ward, and Coulson takes Ward prisoner. And so you've got Coulson and Ward following Will and Fitz. And then we get some big revelations about the world we see this giant city we see this giant hydra symbol that was some sort of temple or something but we saw that earlier i know but we're you forgot to mention I it forgot to mention it so cool. we're throwing in right now and so we get to where this is the bad stuff i mean fitz is trying to ask you know what's what's going on here how many cities are there and this guy knows everything will knows everything well how should will know everything because he's the evil death apocalypse monster. He's the one they came for. And Fitz fights him. Fights him well. Meanwhile, yeah, Coulson and Ward are well. fighting. Well, <laughs> we'll get to it. Well, Ward and Coulson are fighting also. And we end up with these kind of dual fights. And Fitz kills the monster. He thinks he does. With a gun. That doesn't work completely well. He shoots a flare into the guy's back and the thing just burns, just burns. Meanwhile, Ward and Coulson fight and Coulson's able to get Ward down and then crushes his chest with his robot hand. And there it is. Coulson kills Ward. And then and Ward's dead, dead. The portal's Ward open. Well... Yes, but we'll we'll talk more about that too, I'm sure. Then they go in through the portal and they escape. <laughs> so that's that side of the the conversation anyway. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Or do you want to go through the plot of the other side? You know, let's go ahead and let's stick here for a while. I think I think it's a good idea. I, I really do think uh, I'm with you on this. So 
Let's lot. just go to the big thing. Will's dead. Will died. Yeah, he, he died um, when Gemma escaped. We did hear that shot go off. I think, you know, do we make the assumption that when Will died, maybe he did kill the body of Malith, Malith the first time? And and maybe the body was stolen after the fight. Will's body was taken after the fight because apparently Malith is true Hydra. Cut one head off. He chooses another. I mean... I don't know. I mean, we don't know anything about what this thing is. We don't know anything about how it operates. It, it seems to be some sort of slug that enters the body and, and takes control, possibly. I don't know. But that seems to be what's what's happening here. We have some sort of alien possession of of the dead. Which is why he continues to live, is he's taking bodies. Yeah. Which is... You know, this is why we saw the the dead astronaut in in what we what I thought was like a weird vision or something like that, a, a maddening vision. Um, yeah, I mean, he's it's a I don't know where they're going with this other than Ward is back. I mean, we have our post credit here. Ward's back. He's obviously got something funky going on with him. Maybe I shouldn't say Ward is back, but Brett Dalton is back. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's safer to say Brett Dalton is back. I mean, what they've done structurally is determine a determine a way to keep Brett on cast, but really kind of tie off this Ward storyline. And I'll be is, honest, kind of needed to be tied off. Well, here's what I'm wondering. I mean, you have this whole thing where Ward finally has purpose, and, and that's an interesting character development in and of itself, that if they kept Ward, and continued on as Ward is a part of bringing this thing. Uh, I think they could have gone in some some cool stuff. But. Uh, but. There's an interesting mirror image happening here. And we didn't talk about it as much as I wanted to last episode. Where we were seeing kind of this mirror image of the way Coulson was doing things. And the way Ward does things. But we have talked about it before where Ward is copying Coulson and uh, how he leads. And he's kind of that evil version of Coulson. He's calling people, uh, making people call him director and that kind of thing. Now, here is one more mirror image for Ward. He died. And he's back. Oh, boom. And so I, I do wonder if... But we have to remember that that is no longer Ward. But we don't know that. We don't know how much of Ward is left because Will had or the creature had Will's memories. The creature was able to talk to Fitz about things that only Will could have known. Such as Gemma. Gemma must have uh, really loved you. you know, or, or no wonder Gemma, Gemma loved you. Uh, Gemma died. I mean, uh, Will died when Gemma got out of here. Now, I guess you could argue, you know, you could probably no prize it and say, well, you know, he used the word Gemma first. You know what I mean? Or, or he's, you know, th th those memories are stored, you know, in the brain somehow. And he's a, he took took control before the electrical impulses were completely gone. Or I don't know. Or, and I kind of like that. But. And, and again, this word clearly knows Malik. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he went to Malik. Yeah. So, I mean, he clearly knows that Malik so there's, is waiting for him. Malik is 
part of his agenda. I yeah. mean, it's not. There's something. You know, and, and you could make the argument that, I guess, now that I'm interrupting my own thought, but um, you could make the argument, I guess, that he would know about Malik because of the conversation that Fitz and Ward were having around who they thought was Will. So the creature would have heard those things. But I think that we're going to find out there's more of Ward left than just a dead body that's been inhabited by an alien. I And... I, I hope that's the case, too. I don't mind this kind of storytelling or this kind of using this kind of trope here. The thing is, when you have a character and you just switch, I mean, you just take the body and you switch out the character. And so now he's something completely different. Which is what they've done. Which might be what they've done. We, I'm, I'm not willing to give that up yet, though. I think there's going to be something more of Ward in there. And that we're going to get some more of uh, an arc for Ward where he becomes more in control, but with more power. Dude, he was dead. <laughs> Daniel, I mean, his body was without breath for how long? Because how long can you live without breath, Daniel? Like 30 seconds. No, 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 no. <laughs> much, much longer than that. No, it's it's clearly like 30 seconds. And I mean, there's brain damage and things that happen, but you can be dead as far as like your lungs and your heart stop. You can be dead for a while before you're completely gone, completely lost. And that worm thing, whatever it was, I mean, I don't know how much time they had, but I, I, I'm not, saying, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that there is nothing left of Ward. I think his memories are there. I think what they're going to tie off is the revenge against Coulson. Hydra still obviously goes serve this dude. And he's still going to work with Hydra. But Grant Ward is gone. Well, let's go on record then. Because I say he's not. I say that we are not done with Ward and not just Brett Dalton. I'm not just talking about the body. I'm not just talking about the actor. I'm talking about the character of Grant Ward, we are not done with it. And I am convinced that we're done with his revenge arc. You you said that he's gone, gone. Are you it's not willing to say that now? Again, his Have memories. I convinced you? His memories are in there. Memories don't not, count. But I'm talking about the out. guy. He's not going to be out for revenge in the same way Ward was. No, got, but that's because he has a new army. purpose. Yes, he does. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it right now. We are going to see the creature in control, but Ward is coming back. Mm. I'm calling and it. I disagree. I'm it. And that's all I want you to say is you disagree. You say that I'm wrong so that when I'm right, we can come back to this episode. Please. That's all I want. That's all I want. You'll forget. No, nope. because when it happens, I'll remember. If it doesn't happen, I'll forget conveniently. Oh, <laughs> Seriously, though, Brett Dalton, nice job tonight. He had crazy smiles. He, yeah, I mean, the character's gone right now, but the stuff he was doing in this episode, it was it was a nice, I thought we were going on a nice change here to not just evil, but crazy evil with a purpose. Not just petty, you know, motivations. But purposeful, 
purposeful motivation. Yeah, and again, I think that they needed a way to tie that off. They needed a way to make it so that just like you describe, it has purpose. And that's what they did. They killed him. He sees that temple. He's now there to rule the world. And he is ready. But see, here here's the confusion, Daniel. And I, I, I wanna keep you I wanna keep you laser focused here on this. Oh, I use laser focus at work all the time. Are you talking about are you talking about ward? Or are you talking about the creature? The creature. Yeah. See, because you, you can't say, well, Ward is going to take over the world now. The creature is. Right. In Ward's body. And I'm saying I'm Ward is still Ward along the for the ride. Now, I'm going to call him Ward all the time because that's the meat suit that he's wearing. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's I, – I liked where they were going because they weren't just going to make him be this mustache twirling – guy but i wanted him dead dead and and i don't think we're getting that a boy's gotta work buddy it's true it's true and and again i i thought you remember that joe casada video that they did with the little lola toy mm-hmm. he he acted as well tonight as he did in that because <laughs> he was crazy he was doing good crazy oh so so crazy now i think we're gonna get intense Furious, angry, evil. And how much fun must Dalton be having with this? Well, I think he's going to have a lot of fun playing a Hydra god. <laughs> I mean, that's really, we've got this ancient evil. Now, is it as powerful he's, as they think? And we can have him on every week now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be, I mean, this is our big bad. He crossed over. Like, we wondered what was going to happen. Well, he crossed over. He's there. Now, how many episodes are we getting this year? Uh, 22. Okay, so he's going to be dead in episode five, you know, five episodes into the next half. But because <laughs> that's the intensity we run. But Well, the slug will be dead. But then his body will still be alive from the slug bringing him back. And so when the slug is gone, well, Ward takes control pretty clear that eventually again. those bodies do die. Yeah, that was I mean, cool. the slug really wasn't healing Will's leg injury. You know what I mean? Not well. Yeah. Now he's well. keeping him alive. But not and he, Sure, he could get it back up. He could control it, move, make that nervous system, get it going when he got shot like a dozen times. Well, but, but you know, catching on fire, that was pretty much the end of Will's shell. <laughs> Did you notice when he tripped and fell the first time before we knew what he was, although... I was starting to have some inkling of a of an idea that something else was going on there. Uh, he was also doing the shaking thing with his hands as he was as Fitz was helping him up. And there's some what is it? Simmons describes him as someone who's pained and who had once had a lot of power, but had now lost it all. And that description, I think, is is a pretty apt description. I'm wondering if this guy has the power that Hydra thinks he has. I'm wondering how much of what we're going to see in next season or next half of the season, rather, is going to be him saying, you know, I'm all powerful. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That's me who has no power. Well, here's what I'm really wondering. They, they keep kind of focusing this as an inhuman god, correct? Uh, yeah, well, both. A, a little bit of both. But, like, uh, but I don't think he's inhuman. 
Well, he's definitely he, not human. Yeah, exactly. I think he, uh, yeah, I think he was around for a long time. Uh, ancient civilization, he was there. You know, I get the feeling that maybe when he talks about the downfall of the nine cities, maybe he was part of that. Well, he said he was. Yeah, but I mean, like an instrumental part, you know, a puppet master. I'm, yeah. You know, that he had been cruising around within those bodies of those people and had been there literally maybe even pushing the button or, or making the decisions that led to the downfall of the world. I can't remember. And, you know, the, I can't so I don't think exact- he's inhuman. I think the Cree found him a long time ago. I they think. saw him as death. I think that the, yeah, the inhumans are connected to him, know about him one way or another. Um, and they make the point that they were afraid of the monolith um, because of him, possibly. And then they make the point that Fury might have known about what was behind the monolith, what was in the monolith. Well, known that something was horrible that shouldn't come back. Yeah. Well, that's that's enough. Yeah. And maybe Fury, I mean, he was the keeper of all secrets. Maybe he found out that Hydra was doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and they say, you know, Fury sent them specifically to make sure Hydra didn't get it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. It's intense, and I think next we need to talk about Coulson and Ward. We just got done talking about Coulson and Ward. Well, but I still think there's a, a thing or two unsaid still. Okay, so, all right. So what, what more do you want to say about Coulson? I really Ward? want to focus on Coulson now. So first of all, took a long time there's really not a lot of colson in the first half of the episode i mean sure he gets to do the whole the wolverine with his whole dream sequence with roz okay you know yeah that was a nice you know easter egg i'm sure that was intentional to a non-mcu marvel movie um but i mean we have to discuss the fact that you know he killed ward yeah and yeah do we think more or less of him i mean I see these looks from Fitz and they're judgy and they're very, very judgmental looks. But my problem is I have a hard time. I understand that Ward was in a down position, that Ward was a prisoner. I get that. But Colson's also the director of a agency that historically has had hitmen. You know, people like Black Widow that put bread, bread into their ledgers and if we've learned anything from comic books and even this, you know, when you have a chance to kill him, sometimes you have to kill the bad guy. Because if you don't, they're going to come back. I mean, again, Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones, just saying. First episode of Jessica Jones, if you haven't seen it, they talk about the fact that she left Kilgrave at one time for dead, but didn't make sure the job was done. And Ward's been that threat to the, the people he loves, the people he's worried about. And he, yeah, he's hurting. He did it out of anger. But at a certain point, and I really hate to say this, especially if you know me and my moral compass, at a certain point, it's hard for me not to feel like Colson didn't have the authority. It, it, it's hard to think that Colson didn't have the authority to do what he did. Yeah. I Both mean, morally and within the hierarchy of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, he definitely, as far as S.H.I.E.L.D. goes, had. Yeah, the, the moral high ground, if you want to call it that, as far as Shields 
mission statement. You know, he, it already sent out someone to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> the question is, what is his motivation? You know, Coulson killed Ward not because of what Ward could do in the future, but because of something specific that Ward did do in the past. Are you judging him? Because maybe he did. Maybe he did think about the future. We know that Coulson is interested in comic books and heroes. Maybe he knew. Maybe he's seen every James Bond movie and knew unless you killed that henchman, he was coming back. Yeah, or, I mean, it's the Batman-Joker thing. You know, Batman chooses not to kill Joker. And every time Joker gets out of prison, he takes more lives. Did he need to kill Garrett in season one? It's the exact same thing. It's not the exact same thing, but it's super similar. I mean, this is this was personal. This was face to face. That makes it more, uh, I don't know, more personal. It's, personal. Yeah, I guess that's the word. I mean, it, I mean, he's literally leaning on him, crushing him. Yeah, and it's it's a. And to go back to your point, if I was to help defend you, I would point out that. You know, Mayeth brings back the hand. Yeah. Just saying. And why would he bring that hand back? Because he's angry. Because someone just did something to him. That's because his skin suit's ribs are not fully working right. Yeah, that would... That's just got to not feel well. You know, like, you, yeah. you, you just... You know, you, you, you finally get into a new body and... You know, You're like, sure, yes, it's, the it's legs freshly, work. It's freshly dead, but... It's it's whole torso is just kind of caved in in the center there. And yeah, that's a problem when you take over a dead body and, and bring it back to life, reanimate it and expect it to be able to do the things you need it to do to take over the world. You're so it's so true. So true. This changes Coulson because of the. The intentionality behind what he did. It changes him. He's when he's second guessing his, himself. I mean, Fitz is wondering what's going on, but Coulson, he's also got to be asking some questions of himself now too. But, but it's he's not that not he's never a killed anyone. Killer. Yeah, no, he's not the ward, the irredeemable ward who killed people indiscriminately. Right, but again, mirror imaging. This is causing us to ask a lot of the same questions. What does Ward need to do now to be redeemed? Or does he no, need to be redeemed? He, 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 that ship has sailed. He is death incarnate. Uh, not, not Ward. I mean, Coulson. We were, asking those, oh. we were asking those questions about Ward, and now we're asking some of the same questions about Coulson. My bad. But I think some people are going to question, does he need to be redeemed? Uh, that's what I was just saying. Yeah. I, 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 right at the moment, I, I've never judged James Bond for killing people. Well, I have. I've yeah, judged James Bond for established you're judgy. Well, you know, there's 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 killing, you know, to protect someone, which is debated about, you know, is it is it okay? Is it still okay then? There's more of a debate there. And then there's there's killing, you know, out of revenge or out of spite. There's less of a debate there. And then there's killing in cold blood. You know, the whole ward thing. Much, 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 much less of a debate there. Although I'm sure there are some people, hopefully not too many of our listeners, but I'm sure that there are some people who do say, you know, meat's just meat. People aren't anything special, so you can do what you want. But 
I'm Most just thinking that usually think you're that the way. one who gets the nasty emails. This time it could be me because, again, I'm not saying he's fully justified, but I'm having a hard time arguing that what he did was completely without a moral and ethical boundary. I'm, it just, And I don't think that Fitz is giving him judgy, judgy looks so much as, wow, he's capable of that. You know, almost more more fearful. I mean, looks. let's be honest. Ward himself, not Ward. Um, Fitz himself had considered this. Yeah, and maybe it's not judgy, judgy looks. Maybe it's more. I wanted it to be me. You took it away from me. Here's the thing. If Ward is dead, dead, is there anyone who could have taken Ward? out and have it be as satisfying for us as seeing Coulson have to do it. Well, and again, when you say that question, we'd already sent up Hunter as someone who could go do it. But would we have felt satisfied? I would have liked it. Would we have felt satisfied? I don't think I would have. Not as satisfied for sure. Coulson as the father of the family that this ward has been hurting. Ward hurt Everyone in Coulson's family, including even you could even argue he even hurt himself. Yeah. I, I mean, Coulson had to be the one who was going to take Ward out, whether it was through death or something less permanent. I don't know. But this had to be Coulson who would do it. And I think we've all said by all, I mean, you and me both, that Ward's only way out if there's take out the redemption factor, because I, I don't think there really was much that could happen there. Ward's only way out was death. He was either going to continue antagonizing the team or he was going to die. And it sounds like he might've done a little bit of both <laughs> in the future. As we go forward, he died and he's going to continue antagonizing the team, or at least his face is. Oh man. So I here's I don't like your face, Ward. So does Coulson have Okay, we, we saw Coulson last episode happy with Rosalind. Does he have a chance to get back to I mean we, we thought, oh, it's good to see the old Coulson back. Are we adding too much to this character arc? Well, I think he could be get happy him back. Again. I think he could be. I, I think there might be a cellist out there that might have something to say about this, Ben. Well, I can't say that I would be against that. Well, we all know you, you wouldn't. Everyone we've, knows that, yeah. We've, we've heard the episodes. We've heard the rants. We, we know what you're going for, buddy. How long do you think it's going to be before we start seeing old Coulson again? Um, the way the pace has been going, it's going to take us three episodes. <laughs> yeah. So if fits. only we weren't fully being sarcastic. Well, I was laughing sarcastically, but I guess I was not. I, I read it wrong from you. Mm. I, uh, okay. Well, fits. Maybe I was being ironically sarcastic. Maybe. Is uh, that a thing? Uh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Fits. Let's talk about fits, Daniel. Uh, fits is. He was putting a little bit more into these fights than I was expecting. I mean, he, he was took down a, he took out a monster. 
He was aggressive. The monster, when he realized it was a monster, he you know, tried to get away. But when he realized he wasn't going to get away, he he's attacking. He's tackling Hydra God. <laughs> I kept saying to myself, you know, I don't think we're supposed to be able to do this, you know, against a Hydra God. And this is my question. How powerful is this thing? Is it, I think it's only as powerful as the body. Well, or is it only as powerful as the life that it's able to drain? If that creature devastated that planet and there is nothing alive left on that planet except for like, you know, plants, fish, things that Simmons was eating. You know, is that thing. It, it's just it has no power because there's nothing. And now that it's on Earth. There's plenty of food, energy, power, unlimited power. You might have gotten a little crazy there. Well, I went to Revenge of the Sith and I, I really shouldn't have. But there's is is that the way this thing works? And, and that's the, I mean, these are the questions now. How does this thing work? What does it need? <laughs> Clearly, it has very little power. Is it because it destroyed everything and sucked every single life dry from that whole world because that's pretty bad but now it's on earth no a number of questions like that i think we just have to call it a mess a hot mess of questions if you are so inclined to do so i guess you would have to but should we talk about the other half of the story sure why don't you summarize it for us, buddy? Mac I like has it so to make, much when you summarize it. Yeah. Mac has to make the tough decisions. So he sends in a team, split in half, but no guns and no backup. Because Hydra would take them down too easily if they went in with guns and backup. And so they find a way to get into the <laughs> castle. The castle, the the... The room, the chamber, was powered by water. It's hydroelectric or hydroelectric. And so the water had to come from somewhere. The river is far away. So they figure out they can just go through the aqueducts that brought the water to the castle. That's how they infiltrate behind enemy lines. And then Man, we I'm get so confused. What? Why didn't they jump through the roof? Well, because they would have gotten, they would have been seen sooner. <laughs> But we get some good fight scenes. We get some clever moments with Bobby. We get some clever moments with Hunter. We get some tough decisions by by Mac. But what it all comes down to is they have to get into the, the portal. And on the way, they shut off the power, which allows Simmons to escape unnoticed. Simmons then lets Andrew loose. So Andrew is also out there somewhere. Um in the course of Andrew's escape, he has killed every single inhuman that was stored there that was brought in from the ATCU's collection of inhumans. Um, along with that, at the same time, we get the team that's going into the portal itself, which are all the powered people, which Matt calls the Power Rangers. I thought that was cute. And they use their powers well. They take out the telekinetic, probably dead, but... Maybe not. We're not sure. They finally all get to the portal and they wait. They have to hold that position now as Hydra is trying to get back in. 
They reinforce things. Joey has some good moments with his power. Lincoln has some good moments with his power. Daisy has a couple good moments with her power. And then they all group up together. Simmons joins them, tells them what happened. May goes to find Andrew, but that's not the mission. So she ends up coming back after she finds out what Andrew has done. And then Max says, here's the tough choice. Everyone's out of here. We are not letting Hydra take out all of our best people in one fell swoop. So he sends everyone away, except for Daisy, who wants to stay. And I know what you're going to say about this, Daniel. I'm going to let you say it. I'm not going to say it myself. About Daisy and Mac. And they wait. And they wait. And the portal opens. And then Mac says, okay, May, attack. Now destroy the castle. And we see the extraction elevator, Willy Wonka glass elevator thing, fly up into the air, join up with Zephyr 1, and we find out that Coulson and Fitz, off camera, uh, came through the portal and escaped alive. So. And then don't forget the hugs and tears. Lots of hugs, lots of tears. Hugs and tears. Yeah. What I wrote in my notes for that whole last scene, I wrote a lot of stupid like the word stupid. One thing was stupid glove. That's one thing we didn't talk about. I hated the hand. Colson's hand looked stupid for that dramatic moment. I wrote stupid wow. glove. I wrote stupid worm because, you know, we knew that the, somehow that creature was getting through. The creature was not done. I wrote stupid time trick. And that's the one that I was being serious about. And where, yeah. Mac gives the order to May to launch the strike against the castle because he said, if anything else comes through there, through that portal, we're going to destroy it. Or if Hydra gets into the room with the portal, we're going to destroy it. And instead, what we get is Daisy fainting, Mac catching her, and then the next thing we know, he's ordering the attack. And Coulson and Fitz got through off camera and they're, they're trying to do that little tension, you know, trick so that you're going to feel like something bad is happening when really nothing bad happened. I was, uh, I was hoping that maybe Fitz and Colson were left on the other side. That would have been a cliffhanger for you. And it would make sense seeing as how that portal that was going to close any second was open a long time. Well, Daisy kept it open as long as she could with her power, yeah. right? Yeah, I guess. Just seemed to open a long time. I mean, at one point when, again, other storyline, when Fitz was running for it, he was really kind of strolling to it. Well, you know, he just witnessed, witnessed a killing, committed one himself. You know, he was, he was dazed. Little days, little stickler here. Little days, little confused, but yeah, this whole scene, this whole segment, this whole mission—it was fun. It was good to see. It was your secret warriors. Um, yeah, I mean that Mac was leading. You know, when you say secret warriors, I mean really, we get a moment where every secret warrior gets to show off. And we get a new power for Joey, and we get to see the melting. We get to see him meld together. We get even Daisy admitting, oh, my goodness, I just called her Daisy instead of Sky. 
I'm adapting. Um, but we we see Daisy, you know, admitting that she's scared. You know, that they've got a shared understanding. I mean, they're becoming a team. But you do you get to show off because let's be honest, we're going to see a lot more of them in the second half of the season. And uh, you you notice the only one they don't really show the power use of is Lincoln. Good use of saving the special effects budget. Yeah, but he has his moments. I mean, he shuts he down the moment. power and he puts that lightning bolt into the the uh, telekinetic guy. But yeah, but again, we don't get the big. You know, uh, when he goes off to shut down the electricity, we don't see how he did it. No, no. And you know who else we don't get to see a nice big moment for? Hey, girl. Yeah, Bobby. because she put the hey, girl on him off screen. <laughs> she did, man. And you, you know what they should have done? Okay, this is what they should have done. Okay, when she went out there to put the hey girl on him, okay. yeah, and Mac was like, "Are we supposed to go?" Yeah, Hunter should have been like, "I don't know," and then they should have looked down at the tablet, and they should have had a graphic of her like working the room. Oh, that would have been fun. That that's what that would have been a expected. lot of fun. Oh, it would have been hilarious because you could have had a comedic moment there. Because because the, here's the thing, and I'm just people are going to be shocked when I say this. Today was very tense. I think we can all agree. But one character, and I and I heard this be referenced in about Star Wars too. You have to have some comedy relief. Mm-hmm. One character shined tonight on being able, when we were tense, to say something to bring us back with a little chuckle. And who would that be, Daniel? <sighs> Nick Blood, Lance Hunter. I'm falling in love with you. <sighs> As a character. He's a good guy. He I've, has become, he's moved from being the stock mercenary who complained about his ex-wife to being a very capable agent who also is doing great comedy relief. I'm he, with you, I'm with you 100%, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he's there. I, we have a good team. Uh, I'm not, well, so, I'm not, I'm not a, so sure about Joey yet. And Lincoln's going to have to prove himself here. But but we already know what Lincoln's purpose is with tropes. You know, he's a romantic interest slash the reluctant warrior. You know, Joey, his trope is, you know, to be the new guy. Not just the new guy, but the, the, the guy who's not sure about his own power, not sure about his own capabilities, not sure about how much he actually belongs there. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked about comic books before that I'm convinced that comic book companies are fixated on figuring out which number ones they can bring out every month. Because when you look at sales, number ones always sell more than anything else. So if you've you've got a run of 12 issues, you're almost guaranteed that number one is always going to sell more. I even bought a number one today of a comic that I have zero intentions of buying a number two of. Could it be that we get to the second half of the season, which will serve as a number one, a new jumping on point. Could Joey be a new in character for people who haven't watched the show before? He could be it, the sky of season 2.5 or whatever. I, it, it definitely wouldn't be as definitely as much focus as we got with sky. But the thing is, is it gives us a set of eyes that are fresh to this world who, is scared of this world, who's learning how to, to function in this world. I mean, I loved his whole interaction with Hunter about, you know, well, what's even our mission? 
and Hunter trying to explain it to him. And we're hearing Hunter say these things about, and then the plan turns to rubbish. And we're like, oh, yeah, it always turns to rubbish. But, like, that's new for Joey. Well, and Joey's asking, okay, so are we going up against Inhumans? Are we going up against Hydra? Are we? And those are all the questions we've been asking about this season. Like, what is the end run? What is what is the the enemy? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Joey. I enjoyed his enthusiasm when he found out that he's quote unquote bulletproof. You know, he was enthusiastic and giddy about it. Well, also. Maybe adrenaline had a little bit to do with that in that there were bullets that were flying toward him as he was throwing himself in Daisy's way. I mean, he is shielding Daisy from these bullets with his body, not knowing what would happen and then being pretty excited that he lived through it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying right now, listener, if you wouldn't have been a little giddy and excited when you found out that your power allowed you to be somewhat bulletproof. If you would be excited about that, I want you to raise your hand right now, wherever you're at. Put another hand on Keep one hand on the wheel. Yes, your coworker's looking at you like you're odd. Yes, they think you're a weird-looking jogger. It's true. But we all be enthusiastic about that. Also, adrenaline from having just thinking you're going to die and then, you know, the bullets don't hurt you. There you go again, sciencing it up. Just saying, Daniel. Just saying, there's there's definitely a reason for him to be excited. And it's not necessarily this bulletproof thing. He's got a lot to sort through when he's done with this whole situation. He's got a lot to sort through. Uh, let's see, who should we talk about here then? We've talked about Bobby and Lance. How about Simmons? Okay, let's go there. Why don't you lead us on this one? Because I have less to say about her. Well... I thought it was interesting. She had her little uh, wood knife thing. And, you know, she's prepared with that. And that's going back to her time on the on the planet. Absolutely. Will taught her to be a survivor. Used it to cut the, the plastic um, shackles that she was in. And then had the opportunity to escape. But then she meets up with Andrew. And she has to choose. Does she trust her instinct to hate in humans or does she trust her instinct to survive and let Lincoln or not Lincoln let let uh, Andrew free let him out so he can kill people and well, save her and if you're going to judge someone uh, you know, are we really going to judge Ward for kill I mean Colson for killing Ward why aren't we judging Simmons for the fact that she released uh, an human killer into a den of inhumans who were incapacitated and unable to protect themselves. Yeah. Although I don't know if she, I didn't predict that. Did you predict that? She wouldn't have predicted that. He seemed so sincere. He really did. Well, I expected him to at worst, you know, he'd run away and then at best he'd join the team and help them and die I mean, I or think, something. But I, think I did not expect this. One of the questions we have to ask is, are we going to be dealing with him next Half of the season. Is he still running around or did the starship may blow him up? Yeah, man. So we've, we've got on in play right now though. We have Andrew, we have Malik and we have Ward slash Hydra God. 
Yep. And those those three things are still in play, but now the position uh, that the pieces on the chessboard have changed, and we're in a different gambit because Apocalypse Hydra God has come through the the portal. It's a new normal. A new normal yep. that involves a dead body that's just been taken over by. But then haven't we gotten used to getting new normals? I think we need to be. I mean, if we're not if we're not used to it yet, we really should be. Because that's kind of what we do. And it's not just at the season break. It's at the half season break, too. So it's like we get too many seasons every year now. So what next? Where do we go from here? Let's see. There's, May got off the bus and back on the bus. May had oh. a couple funny lines. And has, May's got drama and stress, you know, because she didn't kill her ex-husband. Yeah. So, okay, let's let's talk about our, our new normals then. May's, okay, let's May's, do it. May's guy, Andrew, he's out there. He's out there and he has definitely become uh, a murdering murderer who murders. Oh, sorry, headcanon. Agent Peterson found him and took care of him. Boom. Okay. Because Mike's still out there, you know. That's true. We haven't really heard much from Mike at all. And I really wonder if that new S.H.I.E.L.D. comic book, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if that Deathlock is Mike Peterson. I bet he is. In the comic, I bet he is. Um, okay, so then we have Coulson's new normal, which is he killed Ward with his, well, not really, I was going to say with his bare hand, but uh, with his robot hand. And he has He's to live with that now. now. He, well, he, he has to live with it. He's dark, Coulson. And here's the the best way it could go down for Coulson. Oh, wait, Andrew's gone. So he's going to have to find someone else that he can you know, actually talk to and, and I bet he have talk someone to his go daughter. through the trauma with him. But his daughter would listen. Yeah. Uh, what's Daisy's new normal? Elite she, team leader. She's got this team. Yep. And mm-hmm. she's got a boyfriend. Mac's new normal. He's led and done well. He, he proved himself and, and did well. Um, I don't think he yeah. wants to go back into that, but he rose to the occasion, rose to the challenge, and now can go back to being a, su- a support staff. Could he be the new number two? I mean, we've always looked at May as being the number two of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is, in fact, Mac, you know, the assistant director, the, you know, vice director, is he the number one of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Could be. Could be. Uh, Ward's new normal. We've already talked about that quite a bit. He's dead. <laughs> or something. Um, who's left? I guess it's just, uh, Fitzsimmons, right? Um, so, well, no, there's, there's yeah. Joey and, and Lincoln. Well, yeah. And they're, they're soldiers now, but I mean, Fitzsimmons, I mean, we do have to question, you know, will they be able to move on? I mean, is the universe still out to get them? Because this doesn't really seem like a good time to date. Just saying, awkward. No, but this is a good time to confide in each other. This is a good time to be open and honest with each other. This is a good time to look to each other for support. So, yeah, you talk about the dating relationship. Well, yeah, now is not the time to set up a dating relationship. Now is the time to build on that friendship and and support each other. And 
And I would say for Coulson, he also needs to find someone that he can confide in and speak to and and really look for someone who can counsel him and and give him the support that he needs, but also give him the, the tools that he needs to get through the trauma that he's gone through. Especially since he, yeah, Ward killed Roz, but Ward also was a friend and he trusted I him. We, I think we all want to see that happen. I want him to take care of things in a healthy way and not in a, I'm going to hide it away from everyone and not let anyone know the pain that I'm actually going through. And so they're going to have to guess what I'm going through. And maybe that's a, uh, a quicker way to get to the ward we all know and love or the Colson, ah! the Colson we all know and love. So those are our new normals. I love that man, no matter what shape or form we put him into. Yeah. Well, anything else to say here, Daniel? I'm just wondering if perhaps the most accurate tweet I've seen all night is the alien in Ward's body is a murdering murder or murders. I think that is true words that have just been spoken. Good job, Jedi Ray J. Also explains the whole uh, why, why I'm hearing so much vibration going on over on your side of the microphone. We've been getting a lot of tweets tonight. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. we got active folks who want to talk about this. Well, there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Is there All anything right. more you want to talk about now? I mean, we, no, a, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about, but not now. We made it halfway through. Now we, we just have, have a, two and a half more seasons to go. Yeah. Yeah. This is the halfway point for a five season up, uh, series. And it's all done. So, hey, we didn't talk about the new normal for Lance and, and Bobby. They're awesome. Are they going to get their show? Are they going to get a they pilot are. episode? What's going yeah, on? We That's why we've been experimenting. You know? I guess. We're going to have to keep waiting, but. Yeah. And again, we, we have to see questions answered. I mean, again, I, I a lot of messages coming tonight. And I got in a message from an agent that's unclear about, you know, is the worm snake thing what Hydra wanted? Please explain. We, we've got to explore. Science is out there. Yeah, it would be interesting if that thing wasn't actually... <laughs> The, the Hydra God that they've been looking oh, for. Oh, like, you're not the Hydra God. You're the aim God. Oh, you're the worm. Yeah, we don't do worms yeah, here. Sorry. Okay, yeah, we were wanting like super powerful uh, evil demon thing. Not just a mind controlling worm. But Yeah, okay, well, because, well, okay, back to that. That city that we saw. Didn't really look like a city of worms. No, no, it didn't. You know, and and Hydra, you know, maybe, maybe Hydra, the symbol could could end up uh, being based on um, what that slug thing actually looks like. Because maybe that was just a tentacle. It could have been a tentacle, and and not it's. It looked wormy, body. and again, cut one head off. You know, well, two more doesn't grow, but it does get another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I have to ask, Daniel, did you like this episode? Dude, I like them all. Don't even ask. I hated this. This was stupid. 
just because I can't let it be, you know, unanimous. But dude, we've had like three or four conversations this week where what? You just did this for the principal? Yeah. What's wrong okay, with that? I hated it, Ben. I hated every minute of it. What do you think now? I really, really enjoyed this episode. It Take kept me moving. I had, a, I had a hard time keeping notes because there was just so much going on, so many moving pieces. Uh, but they were motivated by emotion. And that's something I want. I don't want to just have things happen just to happen or have people do, you know, do the action because that's just what they do. That's just who they are. And these are not characters who are their actions. These are not uh, George Reeves, Superman, who there's no question about his morality. There's no question about what he's going to do and if he's going to make it through. Um, These are people who the characters are motivated by how they feel for each other and about each other. And yeah, I mean, you said it before that people are fools who haven't, who stopped watching. I would disagree with the intensity of the statement. But the spirit of the statement being, we've been rewarded. We've been rewarded. Literally, we've been rewarded. We have a new ward. But yeah, it's it's good stuff. And I'm enjoying myself. I'm glad we're doing this podcast, Daniel. I'm glad however long ago it was, two and a half years ago. A little bit more than that. A little bit more than that. Yeah, I'm glad we stuck with it. There have been other shows. The wilderness, buddy. There's been other shows I've seen where I've been like, "Mm, if I wasn't doing Welcome to Level Seven, I would have considered doing a podcast about that show. But there has been no show that has made me say, "Oh man, I just I got stuck with the with the stinker." You know, Agents of Shield has been consistently entertaining. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has been consistently giving us fun stuff to talk about interesting conversations to have and this episode is absolutely on the high end of of some of the stuff that they've given us so that's what i have to say and and again i I think we really need to get down to the nitty-gritty because i swear there was a rough on that room today i'm just saying it seemed like there was a rough there was a shadow they weren't worried about the weather and the darkness. No, but that was the, was the top of the tower. Just saying. It was the top of the whole tower, though, where that, that thing was. There's got to be a roof there. <laughs> uh, tonight, we had great acting. We had great fun. We had deep, deep issues when we talked about the morality of murder and death. We got to see character growth. Yeah. We got to see pop culture references that made us smile. Pop culture I, references that weren't necessarily completely accurate. No, they 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 really weren't. But let's not talk about that. Again, I I love the show and it's continuing to evolve. And in about eight months, we'll be able to see what happened uh, after what they'll probably claim it's after summer. So yeah. Well, let's do this then. Let's move on to our field report. Talk about some of these emails we just got, and then we will. Talk about the future of Welcome Level 7, where we're going from there. How's that sound? Sounds good. Shield Field Report. All right. So we have a handful of emails from a handful of people. And the first one is from Agent 417. Agent 417 says, greetings. I've decided to send this before I listen to your episode about closure. 
That was the most wall-to-wall stressful episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ever. Better than last year's mid-season finale or in season one when we found out about Ward. It even sucked my wife into watching a whole episode. My issue isn't with any of the plot points, however. It's with the idyllic nature of the opening. It was great to see Coulson relaxed and enjoying himself. This is the Coulson I want to see. This is the Coulson that got this series on the air. Watching Coulson be angry and depressed is becoming stale. I had forgotten how much I had forgotten how magnetic he could be when the weight of the world isn't crushing him. This is just one of the, this is one of the top episodes of the series so far, but I want more relaxed Coulson. He's not Job. It's okay for him to be happy now and again. Thank you for everything you do. Agent 417. So, would you like to take the next email from Agent Douglas? I can. I- I feel like we do. Uh, we we covered his concern. <laughs> oh, really? We talked about that. You know, relax, Colson. Oh, yeah. okay. and new normal. Yeah. You know, get ready for more from Agent Doug. On closure, I really liked this week's episode, even though I'm not sure what I think about Rosalind's death. While it was an effective opening, it will be interesting to see what the long term impact will be. Why I don't think it would make story sense to have Colson stuck on her death forever. I hope it is not just forgotten about in the second half of the season. All season, I've had the feeling that Malik has been planning to use and betray Ward, and I think that this episode supports that. When I was listening to the podcast last week, the idea that the entity on the other side of the portal would possess or consume Ward occurred to me. Uh Uh-oh. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. All right, go ahead, drop it. Um, This? The new prize winner of the day. Yeah, that's right. Came in before. Came in before tonight. I think that is why Malik was so insistent that Ward had to go to the other side and was talking about the big picture so much. I think that would let them keep Brett Dalton on the show while creating a new character for him to play. Similar to how The Flash used the Earth 2 Dr. Wells. Spoiler? Uh, mm. Okay. I mean, you know, Earth Two's there. Yeah, there's that's a true. lot of that's true. Yeah. Okay. I, I, we've yeah, this, about this came that. in on uh, last Thursday. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I'm just saying. I think that when Thomas was talking about how Ward feels too much, what was meant was Ward can't deal with the consequences of his actions, so he externalizes his actions. Ward almost never accepts responsibility for actions. Instead of talking about how people made him do it, I think that this could be a coping mechanism for guilt and maybe even self-loathing he feels. The ward that Thomas knew before the well incident could have been much more emotionally open, but after that happened, was unable to live with what he had started to explain. What happened to himself is the work of others and gave up his sense of agency. His interactions with Garrett and Hydra might have fed this. It doesn't excuse anything Ward did, but it does make sense. I don't think Fitz is planning on coming back from the planet. I think he is going to do something to try to keep Ward and the entity on their side while seeing if he can rescue Will. I think based off how he talks about Will, that he convinced himself that Will would be better for Simmons. Also, he might be using this as a way to cut himself out of the love triangle, once again, under the impression that it would help Simmons. Great podcast. Can't wait until next week. Agent Doug, I stand impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not everything in the email was 100%, but predicting something that I would not have predicted. And then being correct. Nice job. Nice job. I got someone else who was predicting some things. Um, 
This is from uh, Agent Allen, and his his email subject is Ward Fitz and Colson Tropes and Clichés Looming, but in a good way. Dear podcasting podcasters who podcast, Agent Allen here reporting in from the frozen land north of Agent Daniel. Please forgive the length of this feedback. I don't uh, don't feel obligated to use all or any of it in the field report. Uh, two weeks ago, I was going to send in a lengthy, unwarranted defense of Ward on one small point and one point only, your statement that he had just brought down, i.e. killed, an airliner full of innocent civilians. I was going to point out through numerous links to interweb articles, Wikipedia, etc., that even explosive decompression does not necessarily result in the ca- catastrophic loss of the plane. See Aloha Airlines 1988, only a flight attendant was sucked out of the airplane. The pilots quickly descended to warmer, breathable atmosphere and landed the plane 13 minutes later. That was a terrifying, terrifying TV movie, by the way. This has been poking in here. Uh, Connie Selica played one of the the hostesses. And yeah, anyway, uh, back to Agent Allen. I was also going to point out an unrelated but obviously f- but obvious flaw that Ward couldn't have even managed to open the cabin door in flight, as all cabin doors are open inward first before opening. And at uh, eight pounds per square inch cabin pressure, a standard door has one. 1,100 pounds of force holding it shut while in flight. Not even Ward had the skills to accomplish that with his arm behind his back, no less. And then I was going to point out that Ward actually got on the intercom and instructed the passengers to strap in, describing in detail what was about to happen, a truly hardcore move, but one that was designed to save lives, not end them. I was going to point all that out, but alas, I ended up missing the deadline before last week's episode. Then... I watched Ward shoot Rosalind in the neck. I looked at my wife and said a very uncharacteristically bad word. Forget even the smallest defense of the tiniest part of Ward's character. Simply put, Grant Ward must die. In fact, his death is the only possible scenario in which a redemption arc will be possible. Hence the looming trope and cliche. Ward is, despite the the show's excellent portrayal of his horrible, unrepentant character, still an extremely popular character. He is the villain, no matter how far he ventures into darkness. The audience is somehow pulling for and hoping for a redemption or at least a proper send-off. Think Walter White. Therefore, Ward's eventual comeuppance slash finale will end in one of two ways. He will have the last moment realization, giving his life in order to save the team or a team member, probably Daisy, or better yet, he will end up exiled in some portal or another forever, having made the ultimate sacrifice to save others. This would be another type of death, as Obi-Wan would put it, from a certain point of view. Either way, he can never be restored to the team, but he will have a redemptive ending. Yes, it will be somewhat cliched, but hey, we trust the Whedons, don't we? Okay, on to Fitz. Not exactly a trope, but here's the good guy working so hard to save the potential boyfriend of a woman he loves. Obviously, it sets Fitz up as the altruistic hero we all know he is, but I think it goes a little deeper than that. And Fitz's motivations, while still pure, might also be based on a little more critical analysis, something he is trained and naturally gifted to perform. In short, Fitz is in competition for Gemma's affections, and being purely analytical, he knows he cannot compete with a ghost, which is what Will is right now. Will, in his present state as a memory, will never stumble over his words, forget an important anniversary, or be seen walking out of... A lav with his with half his shirt untucked. With events left as they are, he will always be to Gemma, the knight in shining armor who helped her survive the portal planet. And Fitz knows he cannot compete with that. So yes, to Fitz, the only correct move is to help bring him back. Because first and foremost, Gemma cares about him, possibly loves him, and is the right thing to do. But he also knows that it's the only way to truly win her heart once and for all. And finally, what is to become of our man Colson? Yes, he's going to dark he's going to Yes, he's going to go dark for a season. How could he not? He'll be looking for that dish that is best served cold, and who will be able to blame him? 
because Ward has a redemptive arc that does not end with Phil killing him, Coulson will, of course, not succeed in his vendetta, which overall will be the better outcome for his soul. He'll gradually regain his sense of humor, becoming mostly the Phil Coulson we all know and love, but he will definitely and permanently be changed. The change is another comic book superhero TV trope type cliche, but again, I expect it to be masterfully crafted. Phil Coulson will never again allow himself to fall in love, despite the temptation, not even for an instant. The risk to the ones he loves, he realizes, is too great. He'll become the heroic but tragic figure who lives a solitary life, never allowing another relationship that would end in tragedy. A selfless, honorable choice from a selfless, honorable man. Thanks for the awesome podcast, guys. Agent Allen, out. And there's some super good points in there. Some super good points in there. Yep. Uh, there are. Email, subject well. line, wrong. <laughs> From Agent Allen. Gentlemen, dang, I was wrong about everything. Although I did call the end scene two minutes early. Does that count? Agent Allen out. <laughs> well, did he get everything wrong? Well, no, not everything. And the thing is, what I what I found interesting about this, even the stuff that was wrong, is that it kind of calls into, you know, account, you know, these things that have to happen. Grant Ward must die, but he's expecting a redemptive death. And Fitz has to compete with a ghost. Well, now he is literally competing with a ghost, a dead man. Will is dead. Sure. Will is dead, and there will only be questions now of what could have happened. Could we have done more? Should we have done more? But he's a ghost who will never, ever, ever come back now. No, no. And there's no opportunity for him to compete against Will because he's competing with now what ifs and what could have been. And then Coulson, I I like what he says here. (laughs) It says he, oh, where, where was that? Um, oh, because Ward has a redemption arc that does not end with Phil killing him, Coulson will, of course, not succeed in his vendetta, which overall will be the better outcome for his soul. And that is what's at stake for Coulson now. Used to be what's at stake, the answers that he wanted to the questions that he had. But now what's at stake? His soul. His very soul. His very soul. He'll become the heroic but tragic figure who lives a solitary life. A selfless, honorable choice from a selfless, honorable man. I think Coulson's going to be questioning that selflessness himself now. So, yeah. Good, good, good. Great email, even though, yeah, a lot of predictions were wrong. We're not going to give an anti-no prize. No, because the no prize kind of already is an anti. And when you multiply a negative times a negative, you just get more negative. Yeah, that'd be weird. Ben, yes, I'm going to read the email that we have actually prepared for. Well, a little bit. Which anyway. never actually happens. Its title is, of course, Rosalind in the Refrigerator. Salutations, Agents Ben and Daniel. I'm writing you not so much to give my opinion on recent episodes as I am presenting you with a quasi-controversial topic related to closure. I posted a review of the episode on examiner.com and a Facebook group, which was positive. And a feminist friend of mine started a friendly debate about how this was a use of the woman in the refrigerator trope, which she and many feminists say is always bad. 
Interestingly, I think the trope got its name from a Kyle Rayner Green Lantern story from the 90s, which it did, by the way. Uh, that's Daniel. It did. Yeah, yeah it did. Literally, I, it, it was about literally, a woman his girlfriend in a refrigerator. Was yeah. murdered, but in a refrigerator. Um, back to Agent 8. I've included a link to the definition of the trope in the off chance you two are familiar with it. The term was invented by comic book writer Gail Simone, which is all accurate. My friend argued that Roz existed solely to be killed as motivation to compel Coulson. She went on to say Coulson was acting out of character the entire time he was with her, making the sorts of stupid mistakes he normally wouldn't. Roz, to her, wasn't allowed to become her own full-fledged character. She expected better from Joss Whedon. Given that I agree with you two and thought it was good, I wondered what you thought of the idea. I look forward to hearing it. Keep up the good work, agents. Now, can I just say real quick? We have no evidence that Joss is really even touching the show anymore. Yeah, right? I don't think Joss is near this show anymore. I think he's as far away from Marvel as he can get. I mean, Jed and Marissa are all over it. Yeah. But I think Joss at this point, I mean, you never really see him in interviews talk about the show. And and I will say, I do feel as if Rosalind was a somewhat formed character. Because I will say, you know, we found out about her background. She... Her love of Margaret Thatcher. I mean, she was, you know, the, an iron lady to me. The question and, is, yes, though. And yes, Coulson acted out of character because that's what men do. Men, boys, <laughs> act stupid around girls that they like. I'm just saying. All right. Now I will shut up and allow you to. Well, I mean, because the question is, was she created simply to be killed to well, give yes. Coulson reason to act and to act and, in this way? Because that's the, that's the whole thing is that you have – Female characters are only there to support the male characters, and they're there to die to give the male characters something to do in, you know, to act out in revenge or to rescue the princess, that kind of thing. I, I would argue, though, that <laughs> well, again, it was only, you know, nine episodes in. They knew from the beginning she was going to die. Absolutely. But I would argue that that's not always a bad thing. And I would also say that, you know, Coulson was refrigerated. I mean, he, Coulson himself was the motivation for the Avengers to avenge and to band back together and go after Loki. And I think that we have earned with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've earned the ability to say, okay, we're using some of these tropes, maybe, but it's not just the trope. You got to look beyond this you know, you, you can label something and rubber stamp it if you want as, oh, it's this trope. Or is it opportunity for the characters to grow? Is it opportunity for the characters to change? And what, what, once you start saying, okay, I can't cross this line because of that trope, or I can't do this because of that trope, you're stuck because they're tropes for a reason. They work. You need to give characters motivation, personal motivation to do things. And it is unfortunate that some female characters are created simply for that fact, simply for that reason. But they created a fully formed female character in Rosalind, and they have a number of other ones. And I think you could also say that that Andrew is a similar type of situation for May. He was created to give May a relationship, but then he was put through what he's being put through. He's dead to her. You know, I mean, to give her something to do, to give her reason to act, to give her reason to come back to the team. And so I, I, I'm i not going to say that the women refrigerators trope is always 
it's always good. You know, I, I'm not going to say that. I'm not even going to say it's usually good. I'm just going to say that sometimes you have to let your storytellers tell their story. And I think that our storytellers here have earned the, they, they've earned the right to be able to do some of these things and not be labeled anti-feminist or to say you expect more from them when they've given you more often, you know, there's, you know, it's like you, you listen to your band that you really, really like, you hate love ballads because they're cheesy and cliche, but your band puts out some really, really, really good music. And then they come out and they do this cheesy, cheesy, <laughs> cheesy, this cheesy cliched love ballad. It's okay for you to say, yeah, it's not my thing, but you don't say, oh, now they, they stink as a creator because they've done something that, that I, I don't like or don't agree with. I think that the Rosalind thing was shocking. It was meant to be shocking. It was meant to push Coulson over the edge. Yep. But it was not an anti-feminist thing. And, and again, we but know it's a trope. Saying that as a 40-year-old man, you know, who... Uh, who tries hard when I do my writing to to write well-rounded female characters and to avoid that kind of thing as much as possible. But at the same time, as a 40-year-old man, I look at what would happen if my wife were killed. And how would that throw me over the edge? Absolutely, it would throw me over the edge. There's not one thing you could do to me that would hurt me worse except for going after my children That would make that would wound me more than that. And that's what they were giving Coulson is, is the opportunity for deeper wounds. And the love connection between Coulson and Rosalind allowed for his wound to be a deeper wound. And he did not always act uncharacteristically like him. I mean, he accused her of being Hydra, for heaven's sakes. No, I felt like we were getting back to old Coulson. Oh. And, you know, yeah, it's a trope. It's a cliche. So three men creatively formed my childhood. Um, I bet you could name at least two out of three, if not three, Ben. Let's see if you can get them. Formed your childhood? Formed my childhood. Uh, George Story Lucas, Stan Lee. Uh, those two? There's two of the three, yes. And Walt Disney. Okay. Walt Disney once said, I, like, I sell corn and I love corn. When he's talking about their stories, tropes, cliches, because they work. They sell stories. George Lucas, to paraphrase, I use cliches because cliches work. Because And the reason they work is because they're story shorthand. You just described right there a situation that would hurt you. You could become quickly emotionally attached to Colson's story. And did Stanley honestly write in anything but cliches? Yeah, it's just you have to be aware of how you're using them. And you do have to be aware of – I think you need to be aware of the tropes and – Maybe, you know, use that to temper your story writing so that you can try not to be as cliched as the next story. But there, there's just sometimes there's no avoiding it. And there's sometimes this is the best way to go. And again, I, I've, had my, I've said my piece, though, and I, I would love to honestly hear from someone who actually has skin in the game. By that, I mean. They're, they're women who are on the outside looking into what we're saying and <laughs> saying, 
Ben, Daniel, you guys have no idea what you're talking about, but this is me as a, as a male writer, um, you know, trying to, to do my best to write good stories about people. And those are the emotions that, that get people, you know, the most love, anger, revenge. Those are deep, deep emotions. So, so if we're full of it, please let us know if we're not full of it. You can, if you want, let us know, but <laughs> yeah. So should, right, should we move next, on? Buddy? Agent Jeff subject early prediction. It's probably too early to call, but I think the ultimate battle for this season will involve Dr. Lash versus blue planet man. I'm pumped for the winter finale. Can't wait to hear your analysis. Nice prediction. We will see, but they are both in play. Agent Jeff, they are both in play. I think you're onto something. We have one more. It's a long one. You want me to read it? Oh, I'd love you to. All right. This is from Agent Kurt. Subject closure. Howdy, beautiful Ben and Dandy Daniel. Agent Kurt here to once again talk about some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is another long message, but hopefully you will endure. Well, closure was certainly an episode and a half. So much hate, suffering, and death in this episode. And I loved it. The first seven minutes was full of tension drama and action and what followed what only got more interesting and while the episode wasn't perfect there was so much to love first let's talk about ward he's irredeemable now he killed rosalind right in front of colson just to hurt him and get his attention that allowed simmons to get tortured and after all these years separated from his younger brother he was still trying to justify his twisted actions the man is evil relentless and his thirst for vengeance against colson and shield has never been stronger to the point where he dismissed Gideon Malik's larger plans for Hydra just to settle a score? I hope Ward does get killed, because after all this, there's no way he could be kept alive. I also felt like there was some similarities to be made between Ward and Kilgrave. Avoiding spoilers from Jessica Jones, for those who have seen the show, I think can agree that there were certain things that felt familiar in terms of their charisma, charm, and knack for doing horrible things, their twisted point of view, and how their actions have affected others in ways that can be felt long after they've gone. And then there's Coulson. He had a pretty hectic time. First, him and Rosalind are reconnecting over dinner only for her to be killed, and when Ward lets Coulson know that he did it, man, the hunt is on. After Coulson fought his way out of Rosalind's apartment and got extracted by Mac, he acquired Bobby and Hunter to go on a secret mission to take out Ward. Coulson was so aggressive... In this episode, whether he was fighting Ward's men, throwing phones, choking Hunter, capturing Ward's younger brother Thomas for insurance, or jumping out of a plane into the portal into the alien planet, he was totally driven and operated on terms that the regular Coulson wouldn't have. I also love the conversations Coulson had with the original team members about Ward, trying to gain intel on his previous interactions just to see if it would provide useful information for Coulson now. Whether it was Daisy describing how she could understand Ward because of his history or Fitz saying he just used to stare at him, a lot of these accounts were nice throwbacks to season one, but also illustrated how creepy and troubled Ward really was. In addition to that, I really liked Malik in this episode. He's really started to step up this villain role. He made orders and has control of everyone except Ward. I liked how Ward called Malik out on his manipulation tactics, but was also fairly impressive to see how Malik was able to get to the core of Ward's actions, make him realize how inferior they were, and show him that if their plans with the recovery of the inhuman from the alien planet were successful, then Hydra would allow Ward to do whatever he wanted in a position of power. Malik is power-hungry, but he isn't stupid. And he knows that pointing Ward in the right direction would be the right move considering his skill set. Ben interjecting here. I do find it interesting to put it that way that he was pointing out all of 
Malik's manipulation tactics, but then ended up doing exactly what Malik asked him to do. Beyond that, there were other great parts of the episode, like Fitz and Simmons getting captured by Hydra and having Simmons tortured was horrible. Oh, and Fitz telling Malik to piss off was awesome. Also, as much as I like Mac, he's never had a significant role in the show since he was controlled by the Kree Temple in season two. So to see him acting director was awesome and allowed him to make tough decisions and shift into action when things looked bad. Oh, and that speech he gave to the team was awesome. But to me, Lincoln had his this questionable look on his face like he didn't care and was smirking kind of oddly. I didn't like that. And after a few after a good and after a good few episodes, we're back on Planet Blue with Ward, Fitz, and some other Hydra agents. Wonder how long it'll be before Will or the Inhuman appears? Coulson's recklessness has cost him as he fell down a hill and knocked himself on a rock. Who knows when he'll wake up or if anyone will find him. First, I'm sad to see Rosalind go. She was awesome, and while I understand uh, the reason why she was killed, I do feel like it was still a bit too soon, and if she had been fleshed out a little more, her death would have been a bit more dramatic. Also, her associate Banks was taken out in this episode, too, which also sucked. Banks was a pretty plain character from the beginning, and while we've gotten a few interesting tidbits about him, he was never a fleshed out character, so for him to go just when I thought he'd actually start getting some screen time felt like a wasted opportunity. B.S., thanks uh, Thanks for your praise on my Jessica Jones review. Your words make me feel like sharing my opinions wasn't a wasted effort. Oh, and by the way, bringing binging TV is like my new addiction of 2015. And while there were certainly some episodes of Jessica Jones that are heavy, pretty heavy and require time to process, I feel the need to watch as quickly as possible to see the conclusion before I was because I was so engaged. Well, that's me done again. Can't wait for your next podcast episode, Agent Kurt. Out. Whew. Well, there's our... There's our feedback for this episode. Yeah, and I'm sitting here thinking a few things here, including the fact that I really, really, really had not thought about the fact that Lincoln was smirking. I didn't and notice it. In this episode, they made it clear Daisy's the partner. So could part of our new normal be Lincoln? Well, no, no. Be Mac resenting Lincoln because he doesn't think it. He's a good enough guy because we know he's got that darkness to be, be dating his partner. Could be. That kiss was gross at the end, by the way, because her nose was bleeding. He totally kissed her while it was like bleeding still on the – yuck. I have – I'll just say this right now. I have bloody nose problems. My wife has never kissed me while I was bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. I – no. No. And, and again, with Jessica Jones, uh, that review uh, – is fantastic by Agent Kurt because it really gives you an idea of the tone. And uh, as someone without any spoilers, without any spoilers, and uh, we've had a lot of people joke, you know, oh, it's too bad you guys don't have anything to talk about for a while. And that's what we're talking about next, correct, yeah. Ben? Yep, that's our next step. Our next step is Jessica Jones. That'll carry us through December uh, into January. And there may be some overlap with Jessica Jones and Agent Carter in, in January. The plan is to be done with Jessica Jones before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts up again, but we just don't know how. <laughs> yes, yes um, before Agent starts. From this point on, our recording schedule is going to be sporadic, but our release schedule should be fairly even. Um, there will be one or two episodes posted a week. So still, we're going to try and get ahead of things and see how that works. But yeah, and expect some new things in Jessica Jones in those episodes. 
Oh, I, I'm really hoping for a sounder like the extra, extra, read all about it. You never know, Daniel. You never know. I really know. love that one. It is my favorite. So bring it back, man. Bring it back. Yeah. You know, bring the other back. <laughs> the other thing, Daniel, that that's happening between now and then is the new Star Wars movie. You seen some I'm trailers pro. for that? Yeah, I'm pro. Yeah. I, I yeah. noticed them tonight even. Yeah, lots of them. And I would see these trailers and I'd see the people. On a desert planet. And you know what I said? I think I'm wrong. But whenever I'd see those people on a desert planet in that uh those those Star Wars trailers, you know what I'd say, Daniel? Tell me. I'd say, huh, Tatooine. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. Tatooine has two sons. Yeah, that, that I get it. I get why it doesn't work. But, you know, he's a pop culture guy. Yeah, so he should get it. He should know. You think he already has his tickets for The Force Awakens? Probably. Probably. I, I do have some tickets to Force Awakens. So do I. I, I haven't paid for them. Here's the bad news, though. You want the good news, bad news? Yeah, sure. Which one you went first? I don't care. Just give me something. Good news. IMAX. Big screen. Bad news? December 26th. Wow. Yeah, that's not going to stand. That's unfortunate. Hey, yeah, want to talk about Heroes Reborn? Want to talk about Heroes Reborn? We should talk about how we should. You know, I don't. Do you want to? I do you want I to? I want to. Huh? Huh? Well, too bad. Here, here's Too bad, Daniel. You can't. Here's my question. I need an adequate etiquette question. And I'm the one who said we should talk about Heroes Reborn and how we can't. But I'm just angry about it. So here's my etiquette question. Sure. On Wednesday mornings, I get emails from a friend who listens to podcasts. And he's already sent me one about tonight where he has questions. And like every two to three weeks, I tell him. You know I podcast about this every week. Mm -hmm. Is it okay that I don't want to answer his questions or share my thoughts? Totally okay. He's not willing to listen? That's unfortunate. I just, I don't know why he won't. (sighs) Hey, Daniel. Let's get out of here. Yeah, there's no Heroes Reborn to talk about. Let's just be done. We should. We should. We should have it, but we don't, and that's okay. We're done. Later. Skater. Skater.